fans and welcome back to the Demon Land podcast. My name is Andy and uh, we've done it. We've clean swept the Marsh series and uh, retained our undefeated pre-season status and now we're less than two weeks away from the 2020 season proper and I for one am full of hope for what dreams uh, may come. Uh, joining me tonight is longtime Demon Lander George and George I, I find myself in an unfamiliar position of optimism how are you feeling on uh, the eve of the, of the season? Well, all, all the uh, talk this week, Andy, and welcome to everybody on, on the podcast tonight. All the talk this week has been about viruses, and I think the really big question this week is, have the clinical trials of a vaccine against MFCSS been successful? Uh, and has our own Andy <laughs> been cured of the symptoms following the victories against Adelaide North and Hawthorne? And hopefully we'll find out at some time during the course of this uh, podcast. Well, well, as you heard, I, I am very optimistic. So, um, I, you know, finger, fingers crossed. I, I think, uh, you know, so far so good. The uh, clinical trials are, have been successful, but it's not until we get into the um, into the real deal, the real stuff, uh, that we'll uh, see where where I am with that. I mean, I could all come crashing down uh, after round one and two. And as you know, we've got a tough <laughs> tough first two rounds uh, to, to open up the season. So, uh, let, you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic at the moment. I'm liking what I'm seeing. So uh, if we can uh, if we can carry all of what I've seen into the season proper, I'll be very happy and we'll uh, hopefully be cured. But uh, nothing, nothing will cure my... Uh, you know, Melbourne Football Club supporter syndrome, as we know, nothing will cure that except a premiership. So <laughs> we might well, be still a little bit away from that. Let's hope you've got some immunity for the first couple of rounds at least. So uh, definitely. And, and uh, our regular co-host, Grave Viney, may be joining us in about half an hour or so. Uh, but in the meantime, if, if you'd like to join us tonight to discuss any of the topics that we're talking about, uh, you can give us a call on 03-9016-3666. That's 03-9016-3666. Or you can Skype us at Demoland31. Uh, if you're listening to the show live, come join us in the chat room where you can ask questions or post comments. Just head over to demonland.com slash podcast. If you're listening to this uh, at your leisure via SoundCloud on demonland.com or via an Apple or Android podcasting app, be sure to subscribe to the podcast to receive updates when a new show drops. Uh, don't forget to leave us a favorable review. It really does help people find us. We're also on Spotify, so you can get the show that way too. Just go to demonland.com to find the links to your preferred method of listening. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash demonland31, on Twitter at demonland, on Instagram at demonland31. 31 or on YouTube, just search for Demonland Podcast and listen to some of the interviews that we've conducted with current and past players and coaches. If you love talking about the D's 24-7 all year round, just hop on over to demonland.com and you can chat with other D's fans from around the world uh, about this uh, great club. And now, uh, with all that out of the way, George, I guess we can talk about uh, you know what we, uh, what we liked, what we didn't like about the game on the weekend. Um, for me, 
uh, fitness and in particular our ability to run out games uh, has been my biggest takeaway from the preseason. Uh, you know, we've only had the two Marsh games and that one scratch match uh, against oppositions to compare us, you know, to. Uh, and admittedly, I don't believe that any of those teams will be pushing for top six action. Uh, Adelaide, I think, will be at the wrong end of the ladder in 2020. Uh, North had a skeleton team in as we did, uh, but they and the Hawks will probably be in the 7 to 12 range, I guess. I'm not sure if either of those teams will get higher. Um, I guess, you know, a, a good test of our fitness and abilities uh, in the fir- will be in the first two rounds against uh, genuine front runners. Uh, but so far, the Darren Burgess-led fitness campaign looks to be paying dividends. Uh, you must be happy uh, with what you've seen in that regard. That's certainly the case, Andy. Um, I think, and compared with last season, um, this is really a chalk and cheese um, scenario that um, uh, last year we had players struggling to get on the field. Even the players that were on the field hadn't done proper pre-seasons. And now I think we're starting to see the real benefits of um, uh, the arrival of Burgess. Um, In all of the games that we've seen, we've really blown the sides away in that last quarter now. It's only practice matches um, and there's so many manoeuvres going on uh, on the field from the coaches. They are setting up uh, scenarios that they're trialling out all the time. But certainly our players who are on the field seem to be running running out the game uh, fully, um, we did have a situation last year prior, uh, with the lack of pre-season done by the majority of the players that, you know, final quarters were our Achilles heel and games that we were in at, at three-quarter time uh, just evaporated um, in those last 20, 25 minutes of play. But it's only three games in and it's looking very promising at the moment. Um, the indications from the the Helen Back series, uh, which I think we'll talk about later on as well, uh, that um, they really have been putting in a, a lot of work and effort. And uh, uh, I think the players are seeing the, the results of, of that, which is also pl- pleasing. Uh, they see the, the work that they've done producing the benefits. Um, that can only build their confidence and will do, hopefully do so during the season proper. Uh, yeah, 100%. Um, you know, I guess uh, I, for the next, uh, we can lump, you know, a like and a dislike together and, and they both involve the forward line structure. Um, again, we started off, I, I thought, uh, just bombing it into our forward 50. Um, I'd like to see some more structured, uh, you know, some of that lead up marking goal and goal entries. Uh, many times we just bombed it up to T-Mac who, who either went in the wrong position or, or was three you know, deep in a, in a high marking contest. And now I'll back T-Mac one-on-one in a marking contest any day of the week, uh, but it makes it hard uh, if he has to contest uh, in a pack of three three players, which, which you know, might have been because Hawthorne sort of had a pretty tall, went in with a, quite a tall back line. Yeah. Um, but, but it really made it, made it hard uh, the way we were just bombing it in early on. Yeah, it was really hard, hard to judge because I only saw the... the um match on the television it's really hard to judge when you're looking on the tv what's actually going on on the field there's a couple of things uh, i suspect might have been happening firstly being a practice match they're trying different structures our our first unfortunate uh, scenario was that um, uh, t-mac and weed i don't think played much together in the way of the forward line was that your recollection that i 
Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so the, the the second thing I think was that because Hawthorne were playing uh, Stratton, uh, Frawley, and Frost, you know, rather tall backline uh, there, that um, T Mac was actually running up the field a lot and dragging them out of, of the front of the forward line. I think uh, that was why between them, Fritch and uh, Melcham kicked nine goals. Yeah. Uh, that. Um, Dragging those players up the field just left holes at the back one on one for for those two very damaging players. So whether that was a deliberate action on the part of the coaches, um, if it was, it was fantastic. Um, so, uh, but I just as equally take on the the comments that Gary Lyon uh, made. I think at one point during the game, when uh, Ed Langdon was running up the field and he was calling for the forwards to lead out to him, um, that. I, I thought that for the last couple of years, they've been so unused to having someone that free and open and ability to deliver the ball into the forward line that they're just not used to leading anymore. Um, I'm sure David needs to know how to do it, but perhaps the current uh, crop don't, uh, don't know how to do it anymore. Hopefully we'll see that change and hopefully we'll see um, a more established and consistent um, forward line in the terms of getting the bodies in there for a couple of weeks at a time to be able to work together and understand where uh, they're going to be able to run and the patterns that they need to set up. So, But still, like I said, nine goals between Melcham and uh, Fritsch, you can't complain about that, particularly Fritsch in those one-on-one situations uh, is proving to be a nightmare for uh, opposition players. Uh, yeah, and just to, to your point about uh, that, you know, uh, that leading up, you know, with Langdon screaming out for it, uh, we, we've had the whole preseason without opposition to be able to practice those type of things. So you would have hoped that the, uh, that leading, uh, particularly because it was such a deficiency last year where we were just bombing it in and partly because, you know, we didn't have... You know, Fritch wasn't down there. Melksham was injured. Um, yep. You know, uh, T Mac. You know, later in the year was injured. He was out of form for the first part of the year. So, you know, we'll, look, we've had the whole summer to work on that. But, um, uh, the, you know, as you mentioned, the good thing about our forward line uh, this this year, as opposed to last year, is that we have those players like Bailey Fritch back in his rightful position, how he ever played in defence, I do not know. I mean, I was screaming about it. I understand they like to <laughs> play players back and, you know, he's got such a, a beautiful kick and they probably thought he'd be a great distributor off half-back, but he, uh, he is a natural natural forward and, you know, he can play on the talls, he can play on the shorts. Um, uh, it's very hard to sort of match match up on him. Uh, you know, you've got Melksham, a fit Melksham back in the team and he's always going to worry oppositions. Uh, I'm not going to worry too much about T-Mac taking on three players if Melksham and Fritch are going to combine for those nine yeah. goals, as you said. Um, you know, both are seriously classy footballers and, you know, they're going to command, both of them will command decent opposition. Frawley was moved on to Fritch, you know, later into the game uh, and that was because, you know, Max was rested, Weed went into the ruck, so we had one tall, we, we one tall short. We didn't, if, if we'd had Weed and T-Mac there, I don't think Hawthorne would have had the luxury to sort of put a Frawley onto Fritch, even though he probably commanded one of the, their best player. And then even if they do put Frawley onto Fritch, you, then you got Weed sort of on, on playing on who, you know. Uh, uh, they had a yeah. young sort of you know, uh, first gamer or only played a couple of games out there. So, yeah, Fritch is going to command a decent player, but then if 
you know, we're going to worry oppositions with who to, who they manned up on on which you know, providing we've got all these guys uh, in there. Um, and I guess we can talk about tall forwards and what we're going to do going into to round one. You know, we rested Brown, um, who mm. kicked three goals in the in March one, and, and then you were at uh, at the scratch match we that I was at. Um, he kicked five behinds in that scratch match. Um, now, I was impressed with Brown. He, he didn't get – he only kicked five points, but he gets the ball. He can take a mark. He presents well. He's also going to command a decent backman because he is, he's got that height and he can take a mark, so you can't just put anyone on him. You've got to sort of match, match up on him. Um, that could have easily – his five points could have easily been three goals, four goals, five goals. So um, – you know, now we've got Weed, who uh, is under an injury cloud. Uh, have we heard anything uh, about our injuries? Um, I'll talk about them more later. I but I haven't heard anything. No. Um, um, it looked like a, a pretty good uh, ankle twist, but the good thing is that if, you know, um, those sort of things probably are only two weeks short of doing any ligament damage. If he's done any ligament damage, then he won't be playing around one, um, but we haven't. We haven't heard. Well, I, I haven't heard anything. No, so uh, we don't. We don't know the the severity of of that injury. So uh, we're just waiting on confirmation uh, as of this uh, time of this podcast of how bad that ankle injury might be. Uh, didn't didn't look good, but it did look like just a roll. But mm, who knows with these things. It's funny, yeah. but uh, yeah, uh, you know, we, we, we haven't had much of an opportunity to see the weed play in his natural position as a key forward as he's had to play Ruck all day in Marsh 1 and, and then for the second half in Marsh 2. Um, it, it's, you know, and I think it's going to be the story this year. Weed's going to have to sort of only play half his time, or not half, probably more than half because he'll only probably have to play five, seven minutes a quarter um, in the ruck, but it seems like we're going to go with the weed uh, gorn combination for the moment. Perhaps once yeah, that, Jackson that, that certainly looks to be the case. Um, the, in the three games, they've only tried Jackson for short periods of time, and you know, quite honestly, I don't think he's got the body yet to be able to uh, to to um, play in that role uh, for any period of time, even as a second ruck. Wiedemann, um, is you know those two or three years better developed uh, body wise so and the fact that they've uh, continuously um, uh, uh, opted to play Wiedemann in that in that secondary ruck role although he has had to play far ex- more extensive periods than what perhaps the coaching panel would like given Gorn's absence over the last couple of weeks uh, I think uh, yeah it's going to be the Gorn as number one and Wiedemann as the number two the real pity for Wiedemann is. Um, during this period of time, he hasn't really had that chance to work alongside T-Mac and work alongside Fritch and the other forwards. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what they uh, come up with uh, in the first round. Um, I agree with you on Brown. He's he's just that player who, probably the same at Essendon, he just turns up every week and gets a goal or two here or there. Hopefully he can improve his um, percentages in front of goal from yeah. what we saw uh, at the North Melbourne uh, game. But um, I suspect that um, Brown might well get a Guernsey um, for a start-off just simply because um, uh, he he can sit up there and take that second defender. Um, Fritsch, 
for is, is very good, but you don't want to be coming up against, as we are against West Coast, where you've got um, Hearn, McGovern and Barras, um, who will take people apart very quickly if they haven't got the right body since they're all such big, strong players. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Brown in there as well uh, at the first match. Uh, yeah, so, um, well, given Wade, if he's um, if he's not injured, if he's right to go, uh, do we go in? How does our forward line uh, stack up? Um, obviously, T-Mac's in there, obviously, uh, Fritch and Melksham. Uh, yeah. Wade, if he's right, plays as the backup to, to, to Max. Does Brown get in or does Brown... I think that's the $64 question for us at the, <laughs> at the moment, isn't it? Um, Brown hasn't been tried as a ruck. Um, and it I, does... thought they, I thought they might have tried out Tomlinson at some stage as a ruck. They haven't done that. Yep. Um, they they but, didn't even play Brown as a ruck in that uh, that North Melbourne game, which no, they could have no. because um, uh, who do we have? We had Bradkey as ruck and then they had that guy from Casey and, uh, yeah. in the ruck as well. So they didn't even try Brown that. So obviously that's not uh, something they're, they're looking at doing. Yeah. Um, look, I, I think it's a nice problem to have in one respect that, you know, at least this year we've got players to be able to put into the slots. Um, the bigger problem is when you start adding... Oh, looks like... You uh, run, say, uh, Wiedemann, T-Mac and, and Brown... And you've got Fritch and Meltram, and you see you're left with one spot. Well, who who goes? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who stays? Uh, good problem to have. Um, last year, many times, and I, I would guess any team that's got a lot of injuries, yeah, you don't, you you don't have those problems. But this problem is a good problem to have, and hopefully the coaching staff can get the mix right. And obviously, week to week, depending on who you're playing, uh, it's going to yeah. uh, you know sort of. Uh, change from week to week and, and it's a good thing you know and if they can get the mix right that's very good um uh, perhaps we'll move on to uh small forwards uh cause didn't play uh for personal reasons i think he went back home at, at a funeral um uh well what did you make of uh bedford's game and spargo's games um I'll follow up that with uh with uh what we think will who will get a round one uh call up uh, I, th- I think this this is going to be the like I said the sixty four thousand uh, dollar question as it used to be known. Um, we've we've got uh, I think either of those players could could fit in. Um, uh, we have to wait and see on Cosy whether he's back and 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 uh, up and running. I would love to see him in there. I'm sure m- most Melbourne supporters, even if you haven't seen him at training, um, uh, the he he is something to behold when he gets onto the ground. However, I think Spargo is putting in the hard yards um, and is probably a safer bet, for want of a better word, uh, at this stage to go in. Um, Cozzy will have plenty of opportunity during the season. Um, so we can only wait on see on that, but you can't complain about anything that Spargo was doing, uh, certainly in those last two games. Um, he just seems to be in the right place when the ball drops and uh, just seems to be out out there, out the back, and gets those handballs away. Um, he struggles to kick long distances, of course, but, gee, for a small forward, um, he's not doing anything wrong at the moment. So um, I, I suspect we'll see we'll see him. The next question is, um, uh, does Bedford get a run? Um, he looked pretty impressive as well in the short period of time. I think he was on the ground. Um, 
he, but again, I, th- I think he will get his opportunity as the season progresses more so than than in the first round. But once again, isn't it nice that we've got an option of effectively three f- small forwards in there to fill one hole um, at, the, at the moment? I, you know, I can't. I simply can't see maybe two holes if if Brown uh, doesn't get a get a Guernsey. But again, it's it's a nice position to be in three into two as opposed to last year where we were just struggling to put anybody into the hole. So yeah. What your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts. I, I'd love to see Cosy get a, a game first up. I'm not sure whether they'll do it. He's that's it's a game in Western Australia. Um, you know, uh, I'd love I'd love for him to get a game. Uh, he, I think he he probably puts more score scoreboard pressure on. Uh, can find the goals more so than Spargo. I I was impressed with Spargo in the in the scratch match game and you know he did some nice little things in in the game against Hawthorne um I think you can only go go with uh, one of them because it obviously Neil Bullen's going to be in there as the other the yeah. other sort of small forward playing more for the further up the ground um yeah I'd like to see uh Cozzy, but then I, I think Spargo probably just um just is out out doing Bedford at the moment um I don't know that's a tough one. Good, good, uh, good problem to have. Yeah. Um, the other possibility that might might we might see is that um, uh, we've got the numbers on the bench as well. So that whether you have an A and B, Spargo, um, Cosy combination rotating through the bench because A and B will run in through the middle at some stage or or another. Um, it just even though there might be only one position effectively on that forward line, you might be able to rotate through that and the bench uh, in the same way that I think they're using Harms, Jones, and the half back line. Um, but uh, we can we can only wait and see what the what the coaching staff want to do, and it depends on what their assessment is of of who's in the best position at this time. Um, uh, I would have loved to have seen Cosy against uh, Hawthorne. That would have given us a fairly good idea. Uh, more so than uh, perhaps the North Melbourne seconds um, uh, game, where he he once again gets very very close to doing something very very spectacular, but isn't quite there yet. Um, when he does, um, he will be something to to really excite the crowds. So it's a bit of an unknown at the moment. We just got to wait and see until um, uh, about ten days time. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Gorney made a successful comeback uh, from his knee injury. Uh, he looked a little bit slow, I thought, at the start. Yeah. I, I, like, I, I was a bit worried because I thought that he was sort of limping a bit, but I think it was he just took a little bit of time to get into the game. Uh, but for me, he did enough. Uh, he did enough for me to be happy that he'll be firing on all cylinders come round one. He's still got, um, you know, under two weeks now uh, to to come back right. But uh, you know, he'll be. F- fit and firing then i guess the question is uh, we sort of uh, mentioned it a bit when we we're talking about weed uh we've seen jackson sort of play bit parts he had to play a bit of the end of the game in the ruck and and sort of you know you mentioned his body it probably isn't up to it and that's not a knock on him you know i'd like right. ideally you'd like to see him um develop in the twos um because we've seen sort of 
we've only seen glimpses. I think he had like 12 hitouts, and if you compare that to what Gorney had for the first half, he had 14 yeah. hitouts. So obviously, he doesn't do what Gorney yet, what Gorney does around the ground. But I saw some glimpses of the things I liked. There were a couple, one or two times where sort of he he competed in the ruck contest and then sort of followed it up, you know, with a with a bit of roving himself, which I saw Nick Knack do on the weekend, and you see Brody Grundy do that and. Um, you know, that, that'll click for him, and I think it, that'll be the type of ruckman he is. So uh, um, there's a lot to look forward to. Uh, he sort of got bodied out of the way and pushed a little bit, sometimes I thought illegally, um, by Segler. Um, but, um, you know, it's good experience for for a kid like that to get in, in the preseason, um, play against a big-bodied uh, ruckman and see what it's all about. Yeah, and that, that's exactly uh, what it was about. Um, I think it gave us a, a realistic uh, view uh, if we start to play him in the ruck. Um, I still hold the opinion that he may well finish up as a tall midfielder in the same way that Cripps is. Um, but um, when you, Segler is obviously going to be Hawthorne's number one in ruck this year. They've dropped McAvoy down, down back line. Um, McAvoy, although this was his first game back from injury, looked very, very out of it in mm. a big way. So Segler's um, going to be the, the main uh, ruckman for them. And he really did push Jackson around, whereas when Gorn was up against Gorn, Gorn really buried him in a big, big way. <laughs> um, and then you saw the, the, the sharp contrast with the, the new young rookie on it and Segler really, um, like, like you said before, pushed him around, not unexpectedly, but that's the difference between the two. There's a, there's a long way to go for Jackson, and, and this is all part of the learning process. Um, so, um, yeah, he, he, he'll be something to watch, but this was a, you know, it was a practice match, effectively, um, and that, that's why you give them the chance to go up against um, a, seriously good ruck, a seriously good ruckman. Um, he, he may well get more uh, chance down at uh, Casey to show his wares, but uh, he now knows what the standard is that he's expected to play once he makes that step up to the um, to the seniors, which will occur at some stage very, very soon, I think. Yeah, and I, I think uh, when Max went off, uh, they started to get on top in the, in the midfield, in the ruck in the yeah. midfield, uh, and it took us a while to sort of adapt to that, and uh, once we sort of did adapt, and that's a good thing, I think, that we were able to sort of, they were getting on top of us uh, and our midfielders were, la- were able to adjust uh, to not getting the silver service from, from Max uh, and to, to work off another ruckman. Um, uh, so that was, that, that was pleasing to see because we, uh, we did get back into the game after that. Um, yeah, particularly, particularly you know, as you said, last year in that, in that scenario, if, um, if Max um, was off the ground, the opposition just ripped us apart yeah. quite often, you know, because you know we only had Wiedemann or we were throwing tight T-Mac into the ruck. Um, if they came up against someone like a Grundy or or one of the bigger bodies, you know, the, the Goldsteins, um, it was once again really like chalk and cheese. But this year the mids really read it well um, when Segler was getting on top. Hawthorne didn't break away in any way, shape or form. It became a real knock them down, drag them out, grinding sort of game, uh, which normally you know, um, the opposition can get away with, particularly Hawthorne, but they didn't this time. So um, that, that was pleasing for the mids as well. 
And speaking of our mids, uh, they're just purring at the moment. Uh, in the first game, it, it was Petrarca. Uh, this mm. week, it was Viney, 33 possessions, five bone-crunching tackles. The the, the goal was be- was a beautiful goal. Uh, it's going to be hard for opposition teams to, to target any one of our midfielders because if they take out Clary, then Petrarca steps up or Viney does. Then there's Brayshaw or you can chuck Harms sort of back into the middle. Or, or Jonesy, you know, he's not done yet. Um, he, can, he can play a couple of midfield minutes here or there um so yeah it's going to be you know uh in the past sort of you know an opposition would take out one of our midfielders and that would be yeah. it but we've got more than one string in the bow uh there and it's it's great to see yeah and uh, and Hawthorne's midfield with Omara Mitchell and Warple at the moment um they're they're a pretty serious yep. uh, combination it'll be interesting when we come up against the west coast people but um I think our mids um really ground them. It took them half the game to, to get to that point. Um, uh, it was sort of um, a, just a good old-fashioned hard game of football. But, you know, when, when you've got the Vineys and Brayshaws and Jones and Harms um, just continuously going in hard, it was right back to the best of 2018 for us uh, with that combination. It's nice to have them all in there again. Let's hope that continues for quite some time. Um, the coaches have got uh, have created other options, you know, with particularly with Jones and Harms, the ability to play them off the half back line, but where they can still be quite um, uh, devastating to the opposition uh, when they slide forward and kick a goal here or there, or they get thrown into the middle to shut down someone like a Mitchell, which um, uh, I think they were doing at times as well. So um, the, the coaches must be very, very pleased having those sorts of options available to them with you know four or five players in really good form so it's it's very nice very nice position for them to be so where is Jones it's hard for me to tell watching on TV where exactly mm-hmm. he's he's lining up where he's positioned because he seems to be sort of a bit everywhere he seems to be a bit off half yeah. back I notice him in the forward line or off half forward flank and I, I like him sort of there but uh, yeah is he playing that sort of sweeping role off uh, off half back? Because it's hard for me to tell. I think it's more um, he's coming off the bench as an impact type player. Yeah. Um, uh, there's that harms they seem to have slotted into one of the half back um, flank positions as such. But again, I think that's um, as a it creates another option for rotation. Um, but Jones, I think, is coming more off the bench. And just filling any role associated with the midfield, you know, so he he can go in and, and do the in and unders if needs be. He can float behind the ball, and we've seen him come sliding forward a couple of times in previous games, and just uh, nobody seems to be on him at, yeah. at the moment. Uh, just you know, snagging those goals nicely from the fifty meter line and things like that. So um, I think his role is going to be on and off the bench more as an impact type player. Uh, I've been really impressed with Harms. Um, you know, I thought he might struggle to um, adopt the halfback type of role, but he's he's just swings between one and the other. His his development the last couple of years has been just phenomenal to um, to, to see him just take on these various roles. Um, I don't think people thought he was a tagger two years ago, but all of a sudden he's probably one of the best that we've got. Um, and now now he's filling a role in the halfback line as well. So. Um, very versatile player and he just keeps getting the ball and just hard and tough and 
gets up and goes goes to the next contest and the next one after that. Um, that seems to be the, the modus operandi. So uh, very pleased with what I'm seeing at the moment. So so the versatility, I think, is, is the main thing there because uh, I thought he had a great second half, but they had sort of moved him uh, sort of onto the ball or up forward even a little yep. bit. Uh, so it's that versatility he can't, you know, and just a, a, however, whatever the flow of the game is, um, I think, you know, we can move him if, if, if it's not working off half back or, or, or we need him in another position, whether it is to go on ball to, to tag someone or, or drift forward. Uh, he can do that, and um, that versatility is a is is another string in his bow as well to his game. So, yeah, I really like that, uh, Harms, uh, and I'm happy that the the club, uh, the footy department, is you know making moves like that. Um, it's good good to see, um, and, and we you know we obviously have the cattle on the field to be able to have that flexibility to do that. Um, the other beauty about Harms is that when he um, goes to one of those other roles, um, it's not a not a, a step down. Like you know, if we've got Weed in the ruck or T Mac in the ruck, um, it's obviously a step down from what from the first option yeah. being Mac. But when when Harms goes into the middle, we don't lose anything. When yeah. Harms Harms plays off the half back line, we don't lose anything. It's it's a, it's a great option to have. You know, he's just that player who just plays it any role, any time, anywhere. So that that's uh, fantastic for him as, as a as a player. I think it's a great credit to the people who've developed him into those those various roles. Defensively, uh, we've been very solid over the preseason. We've only conceded 16 goals in the two games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen May and Jake Lever, they rarely played together in the same team last year and, and we're going to see Lever at his best with May around so so that Lever can play that inter- intercepting uh, defender role. Um, you know, uh, May is a beast. It was great to be able to see, you know, have a player like him be able to go and play on pattern and... Mm. I don't think Padam was at his best. I don't know if he's injured or if he's just soft. Uh, he, <laughs> he seemed to fall like a marshmallow. He looked, uh, he looked very unfit to me. When I remember one of the close-ups on the television, uh, and this was in the first quarter, he, he had sweat beads running down his face. He looked completely <laughs> spent. Um, mind you, I'd be spent if I had to spend my time on Stephen May for 25 minutes. But, um, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think Patton's going to be the great white hope that he might be, but still, Hawthorne picked him up for nothing. Nothing. So yeah. Good luck to them. But but, but just having May, you know, he, he's a, he's a, he's a monster. To, you know, to have a guy like that who who does have uh, you know also has some good skills and I, you know, uh, that kick that he kicked into the middle, uh, hit Maxi on the chest was just absolutely yeah. sublime. That was an absolute ripper, wasn't it? That's um, to have. To have someone who can do that, and I think um, when Salem comes back in, it's going to be even more lethal because the the opposition at a point kick in won't know where to go. Um, if they set their zone up uh, close to the goals, May will go over, can go, can go over the top of them, very like like he did in that in that scenario. Um, throws the ball to Salem, and and Salem will put a put a kick through right through the middle of them to someone else. Uh, it's going to going to really throw spanner in the works for opposition coaches and uh, and the defenders with with this pair bringing the ball back into play. But wasn't that a magnificent um, uh, series of you know, 
May to Gorn to Langdon to Fritch. And it was just fantastic to watch. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, I, I, that play was uh, my favourite play of the night. Uh, I actually would have liked uh, Langdon to run it in and have a have a ping at goal. Um, you know, uh, uh, yeah, he was unselfish, gave it off to to Fritch, but it'd be nice to to have seen uh, yeah. him uh, have a ping at goal. Um, and we'll talk about our wingman a little bit later on because we're still talking about the backman. Uh, there were some yeah. mixed feelings about Hibbert in the game day and post game threads on Demonland. Um, I. I you know, I would be mixed on him at times. Uh, there's, you know, you've got a whole range of, uh, of opinions on him from, from people saying that uh, he's well past his All-Australian form, he's done, uh, to people thinking the exact opposite, that, uh, you know, no, uh, he, you know, he was named in the best by uh, on AFL.com, where, uh, how much stock you can put in that, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, where, where are your thoughts on Hibbert and his uh, future in the team? It'll be interesting with Hibbert. Um, I think the big um, uh, his his problem is is his kicking uh, delivery, but also his greatest asset is his kicking, um, and particularly for last year, um, he he can get the ball. He's strong, can get the ball and kick it fifty meters away from the defensive circles, which is which has been beneficial. Um, it just um, gets the ball away from the opposition goals, and sometimes that's just exactly what you need. Just get it out of there any way you can, put it on the boot, stop the attack. Um, the the difficulty is now that we've got um, um, a more established, you know, we've got the players back like May, we've got Jetta back, we've got Salem on the other flank, we've got Lever probably playing the traditional centre-half back type position, um, and where do you put Harms? Um, if Harms is rotating off the half back line, where do you put Jones? If he's rotating off the half back line, where do you put Hibbert? Um, again, it's a nice problem for the for the coaches, um, and uh, Hibbert's you know obviously aging like a lot of the players, uh, and his best might be behind him. I think he's got still a very useful role to be able to play, and I think we might see uh, the coaches. Um, uh, selecting on the basis of who we're playing against, but at the moment he's sort of on the on the margins with the pressure coming from those other two players, and um, he might, but he just as equally he might be part of that rotation. Harms, Hibbert, Jones off the bench, half back line type of thing that I was talking about with the forward line problem that we've got with you know Cozzy and and Spargo and and uh, and. Um, say an A and B or someone like that. So um, nice problem to have again. Um, we'll, we'll find out during the season. You know, injuries will occur and it's nice to have um, those type of players available to us. Uh, I think this was the first game that we actually had, apart from Salem, I think this is the first time that May, Lever, Jetta um, uh, and Hibbert have all been able to play together um, in, in the two seasons that, Certainly, May's been at, at the club, so um, they seem to gel pretty well. They, they held Hawthorne to was it six goals or something, yep. um, um, which is a pretty damn good effort. Um, uh, Hawthorne had great hopes for Patton, and um, but I think they might have realised that they actually haven't got too many other players. Uh, their goals were coming from free kicks in front of, you know, when people were being tackled um, in front of goal, but there wasn't too much else that was threatening to us for the Hawthorne. Uh, 
forward line, Puopolo, was uh, unsighted. Um, uh, Jetta did a, a complete blanketing job on him. Uh, so I think the Hawks might struggle to actually get some score on the board. Bruce did nothing. Uh, they didn't have Gunston, but I think Gunston might be past his best as well. So um, more Ber- pleased Ber- that we were on the field and they're not. And Burgoyne as well didn't do much um, either. No, nothing at all, yeah. Um, one player you didn't mention when you are talking about our back line is a defender that for me has probably, uh, I think, maybe has secured a spot in the team, and that's uh, Jay, Jay Lockhart. Um, mm. I, I really like the way he goes about it. Uh, he can run and carry the ball. He has poise. He's not afraid to take a player on, which is good for a young kid. Like, I think there was one time he did get caught trying to do too much, uh, but, you know, I just love it. He's hard at it. Yeah, he loves a tackle. Uh, he's good in he's good in the air and he's good on the ground. Um, has has he secured a spot in the team? I know it's it's, it's part of that great problem that we have uh, at the moment. Um, does he get squeezed out? I mean, we've got Salem coming back in. Um, yeah, that, that might that might be more the problem. I, I really love Lockhart as well. Um, even when he came in, I think three quarters of the way through last season, he's just one of those natural footballers. You know, he knows, and that I think comes from his uh, experience at Casey and and before. He just knows where the ball's going to be and what he's got to do to get the ball and 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 do the right thing. Um, it's going to be very difficult, uh, you know, finding finding a slot for him. But I wouldn't be surprised at all. He he doesn't do too much wrong when he's on the field. Um, there's certainly a couple of other players who get a run every week who who I'd have my heart in my mouth more than than what uh, I would if Jay Lockhart had the ball in his area. Um, so yeah, it'll be nice if he gets a run. Um, this is all about the development of those type of players as well. You, you know, picked up a couple of games last year. You'll get a few more this year, and maybe maybe he's we won't see the best from him uh, until next year. You know, get gets. 20 and 25 and 30 games under his belt until um, we see the best. But at the moment, again, uh, he's a very, very nice option to have sitting sitting uh, available and he may well get that run in the first game. And uh, this is the first year that he's had a full pre-season under his belt, um, mm. you know, coming from obscurity uh, last year. So, um, yeah, it uh, only can benefit him and uh, yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll be there. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of a lot of uh, similarities between him and Fritch, isn't there? Uh, that um, came into the game, didn't get the full pre-season, showed more than enough in the first season to keep him there, and then um, poor old Fritchie got um, stymied by the fact that half the team wasn't available last year and was played all over the place. But um, come year three, he's he's showing his best, and I think Lockhart might be the same. Um, just uh, those natural natural footballers. Uh, that you just love to watch in action. Um, and I've saved uh, the best uh, to last, uh, the wingman. <laughs> um, Tomlinson and Langdon, they had 57 possessions between them, 32 and 25 respectively. 18 marks between them, uh, 10 and 8 yeah. respectively. Uh, both of them ran all night and presented uh, targets and dominated their opponents who, who aren't inexperienced players themselves. So there's Scully, um, uh, uh, Smith, um, so you know the, neither of those are, are, are crap players. So um, I think they're it's an absolute. You know they've just added. You know uh, so that outside running capacity uh, that adds an element of, of attacking. 
uh, capacity to our team, whereas pre- where it's been previously missing and, uh, you know, they create that barrier around the edges uh, where the ball all too often slipped through the cracks, allowing easy opposition goals. We saw that quite a few yeah. times on the footy shows last year. Um, you, you know, if things continue to work as they did uh, the other night, um, the the draft, the bringing in of these two guys, um, you know, that have these elite running skills uh, could, you know, be regarded as a, a, a you know a recruiting coup. Um, just amazing. It was exactly yeah. what the doctor ordered from from what yeah. we saw last year and in previous years, and um, we're yeah, reaping the reward so far. Isn't it? Isn't it sh- such a sharp contrast and such a credit to the um, recruiting people? Um, Last year, I think we tried 16 people on the wing position that, you know, while we did have the injuries problems, but we still tried 16 people and I don't think they found anybody who was suitable um, to run through there. The coaching staff and the recruiting staff decided we needed to get a couple of wingers. Well, we've picked up two absolute rippers by the looks of it um, and, the, and the, the just completely changes the way that the team operates when you've got two guys getting nearly 60 possessions in a game of football uh, down each wing and uh, uh, Langdon's run is just just elite and Tomlinson's height and marking ability as well um, just uh, threatens the opposition so much, particularly when it's coming out of their back line, that they look down the line and they see someone who's 190, what, six to eight centimetres tall. They're not going to kick it that way and it just ruins their defensive structures. I think Frawley a couple of times uh, during the uh, game uh, just didn't know where to kick the ball. It was just going to come straight back, and it did. Um, so these two – and then when you know, when Langdon gets gets his hands on the ball on the wing free, it, it's, you know, the, for the first time, I think those forwards' eyes must be lighting up going, here it comes, it's coming my way, and it certainly does. So, yeah, credits to everybody. Um, the, the recruiting staff, the coaching staff for um, identifying the problems and going out and actually filling those needs so very, very well. Um, they, they really look fantastic. Um, Tomlinson to have, I think he's played 120 games at GWS. Um, uh, so while he was out of action for probably a month or so during the pre-season, I think he, importantly he had that, um, that basic fitness level um, all sewn up, so when he's come back, he's come back really strong. Come back really strong. He didn't. He's not like a, a first or a second year kid who needs you know six to eight weeks to even get remotely close to being able to play seniors. He he was straight back into it and producing those sort of results is just just fantastic. Let's hope it continues during the year. And we're joined by uh, co-host Grape Viney. Um, Grape Viney, how are you going? Uh, excellent. Thanks, Andy. Good evening, George, and to all the Demon Landers out there. I know we're coming to the uh, closing end of the podcast, but uh, I thought I'd better get my two cents in, um, both on the wingers. And uh, I'm worried, of course, that the Demon Land podcast is going to be shut down by the coronavirus <laughs> soon. So I thought I'd better get my last statements on here before that happens. Well, the, the good thing about a podcast is that that's probably uh, the only way uh, we'll, we'll get to <laughs> talk to each other um, in the in the coming weeks and months, and we'll, we'll talk about coronavirus and whether we're going to get to watch any footy this year in, a bit later. Uh, Grey Viney, you might want to start. We were just talking about our wingmen. Uh, anything to add uh, about uh, about these guys? 
No, look, George summed it up well. I've got to put my hand up. I was a little bit ambivalent about the recruiting of uh, Tomlinson. Um, I hadn't seen a whole lot of him play, but um, thought he, it might be a bit of a vanilla selection. But uh, uh, if what we saw the other night is um, uh, a window into what we're going to see for the rest of the year, then, um, yeah, I'm pretty excited, I've got to say. Um uh, everything we're looking for and more from both him and Langdon at the moment. Just uh, adding to what George said about um, you know having having them on the, on the wings, and you got a guy who can mark like uh, Tomlinson on one side of the ground when you got the kickouts, and you got uh, Gorn on the other side. Um, you know, it's sort of good uh, good options uh, for our our kickouts uh, to be able to have on either side of the ground two guys that can take a mark. Um, yep. You know, which we we sort of haven't had. Uh, for a while, uh, Grave Viney, we, we've we've talked about uh, most of the game. Uh, tall forwards, I'll, I'll quick fire questions uh, to you. Um, <laughs> uh, tall forwards, who do we go? Yeah, providing uh, Weed uh, is injury free for for round one, do we, do we go? Do we dare to go against West Coast with three tall forwards? Or we just go with the. the we were saying Weed's got a bit. Probably has to be in if he's fit because he's been doing the ruck the ruck work. Brown hasn't, but. Do we consider Brown um, as a third uh, tall? Yep, I, I think so, particularly if it's going to be a dry deck there, and you'd imagine it would be. Um, and I think as uh, as impressed as I've been from the little glimpses that we've seen of LJ um, in the preseason so far, uh, I'd be going with the three mature, more mature players, Weed, Brown and McDonald, if... Uh, if three indeed is the way to go, um, why didn't Brown play on the on Friday night? Perhaps because he played in that scratch match. Uh, loads, I don't know. Um, mm. uh, they knew Gorn. Yeah, just wondering whether it's a guide to what the thinking is, but maybe um, pa- perhaps perhaps he's not in contention for round one. Um, I would have thought maybe considering that they knew Max was only going to play half a game, uh, and that Weed was going to come out of the forward line. Why not play him? Um, don't know. Good question. Maybe yeah. maybe they I, answer I think that. Jackson um, uh, is probably going to spend most of the year in the twos, and that's fine. Yeah, if we um, were saying that about development, uh, there's nothing yep. wrong with that. Uh, small forwards. Because uh, he didn't play, uh, Bedford Spargo uh, did. Uh, who gets that call up for round one? Mm, yeah, tricky, tricky, tricky. Well, these are, <laughs> these are the uh, big I'm, questions. I'm, Look, I think Cozzy um, has shown enough that he's probably going to take one of those spots. Is there going to be another one? Um, probably not when you factor in the key and medium-sized forwards. But uh, um, got to say that uh, pretty impressed with uh, Bedford so far. Um, and uh, uh, I didn't see the game against North Melbourne. I understand Spargo was pretty yep. good in the second half of that game. And certainly had a very good second half against the Hawks. So, um, uh, yeah, look, we've got um, we've got a few options, uh, don't we? We do. Um, all right. So if if Weed is injured, possibly he's possibly injured. We don't know. We don't know the severity of it. Um, uh, look, we're going to talk about injuries in a second. If if Weed doesn't play, uh, we obviously need Does a second Jackson ruck. Play? Does Jackson mm. play in that scenario? 
because Brown they Brown they haven't been playing as a ruckman. They had an opportunity in the in the scratch match to play him in the ruck. He didn't play a second in the ruck, despite the fact that we only had Austin Bradke and a, and a Casey backup ruck. Um, yes. Does Jackson um, look? He he adapted well in the ruck the other night. Um, was beaten early and then adjusted and um, and and did all right. Uh, look, I I'm reluctant to play. Jackson in round one over in Perth. Yeah, I say. they might be I, I giving the Jack Watts treatment. <laughs> not so much that, but I, look, he's uh, he's still very um, slight. It's easy to knock him off the yeah. ball. That happens quite a bit in marking contests around the ground. So, um, yeah, I, I just I'd be looking for other options. And what's the what's that what's the other option in that case? I guess team well, team. I mean, yeah. we haven't seen Brown yeah. Ruck, have we? No, um, they did it. That's what I was saying. They they didn't try him in the Ruck. Um, you know, well, we didn't really know, have Thomas's many. name has been bandied about, but he hasn't rucked for a second either. Um, haven't done that either. So, and then you, um, yeah. So, it's going to be interesting um, if uh, if Jackson does earn a call up in round one. That's for sure. Um, I guess the other question we'll just throw at you quickly before we move on. Uh, I was saying I really loved uh, Lockhart's game. Um, I think he, he's done enough to, to sort of get look, looked at, but we've got quite a number of options in the back line, um, you know, with Salem coming back. Uh, does Lockhart, uh, you know, get I a look in? I haven't done my best 22, but he's, uh, if he's not in it, he'd be 23. Mm. And I, I'd be inclined to squeeze him in at this stage. Um, I think I said last week that he showed plenty of glimpses last year and, um, yeah, he looks to have, re- have stepped up um, a few notches uh, in the preseason. Um, looks uh, looks sort of pretty cool and calm with the ball, getting in the right positions, um, so ticking all, all the boxes at the moment and wouldn't be surprised to see uh, to see him in the round one team at all. Um, all right, we'll move on. Uh, we'll just quickly talk injuries. Uh, unfortunately, you know, we didn't get through this match unscathed. I didn't see the incident, but apparently Vandenberg sustained some contact to his foot in a contest. Uh, and almost nothing has been said about it except that uh, I, I don't know. Did we get any official word that he's going to be undergoing scans? Um, no. No. Okay. Somebody uh, caught the flight home. Yep from Tassie with them, and he was apparently limping yep. quite heavily or noticeably at the airport. Um, I don't think he was in a moon boot, but look, you know, the sirens start ringing as soon as you hear Vanders and, and foot in the same sentence. So, so I'm assuming it's the same foot he's been having issues is, uh, with. Um, uh, don't know. Yeah. I don't know that. I mean, uh, George, do you know? No, no, no I, I know nothing whatsoever about it. No, it's been very quiet, yeah. But yeah, you know, we're trying to get Andy over his MST, <laughs> so we might need to move on to something else. <laughs> but, so, but yeah, it was a real pity. I, I suspect Vandenberg was only going to play half a game in any case. Yes, he uh, was. We we know that because he was going to be doing the running with Max at half time, and yeah, then he couldn't but, do that. Uh, yeah, we we just have to wait and see on this one. Um, the, the fortunate thing is, we seem to have a more bodies than what we need for holes in, in the team. Um, so if we do lose Vanders, it's not well, I much prefer him to be there, but if we do lo- lose him, then we seem to have uh, uh, more than enough mids at the moment to be able to cover uh, cover off. So that's a nice position to be in at this stage. Um, and, and look, the other thing is 
he hasn't really been part of the equation for the last three years. So it's not like everything's, you know, been sort of worked out to revolve around him. He's hardly played, so it's not like you're losing someone. Mm. We're just missing out on a, yeah. on a possible game. Yeah. Uh, he's he's got to be uh, one of the most unluckiest footballers going around this side of uh, Joel Smith at the moment because mm. uh, he just uh, can't can't get a trick. Um, the weed had a nasty, we talked about a nasty fall on his ankle. Hopefully it's just a rolled ankle. Um, uh, but to vo- those of us who live under that black cloud of the veil of negativity known as uh, the Melbourne Football Club Supporter Syndrome, uh, commonly known to us as uh, MFCSS, uh, we should brace for the worst, I guess. Um, and what do you make? I mean, nothing's been, the game was uh, on Friday night and we've we've heard nothing in regards to injuries where the guys have had, I mean, I'm sure they've had their scans. I'm sure we know the severity or whether they're fine or right, going to be right to go. And I, I guess uh, as supporters, what are, what are we entitled to to know? And I, I guess they need to. They don't want to give things away to the opposition. Um, they want West Coast guessing what we're going to do. Um, so, with that in mind, um, but as supporters, as stakeholders, are we entitled to to know that? Should the club be more open about those type of things, or do we have to just uh, you know grin and bear it and um, and and sort of keep keep that information? You know, in the in the hands of the Melbourne Football Club uh, for them in their their war of information against uh, the opposition team. Yeah, I don't think there's too much to be gained um, by you know putting everything out there and um, sort of. I appreciate the need to um, keep supporters in the loop, but um, you know, there's so much. Um, uh, there's so much conjecture around injuries anyway, and often it is a four to six situation. So there's not, you know, oftentimes there is uncertainty about when the player's going to return. So, you know, I think the club um, does its minimum duty in that regard. You get a weekly update, which isn't particularly precise and is filled with TBAs and TBCs and four two sixes. Um, and I think that's, for the most part, supporters. Um, understand it and, and cop it, I guess, don't they? And it's it's yep. difficult with um, with an injury like, say, say Wiedemann's with a, you know, a twisted ankle. Well, he could well, if we had a game this week, he may well have been back. But um, the other possibility with a twisted ankle, as I said before, was you know, if he's torn ligaments, well, he could be out for eight weeks. But um, it's, it's so difficult... Um, you can't. Most footballers, particularly as the season progresses, have some sort of niggling little injury, uh, corkies, and this isn't working. That's a little bit strained, and um, so it's almost hard to write down everything because they may well be playing the very the very next week. Um, so um, at this stage in the season, I wouldn't wouldn't be greatly worried about it. If it is going to turn into a, a longer term one, then I'm, I'm sure we'll find out about it. We've got. I think there's a training session uh, coming up next week where we've got a few people, a few uh, eyes on the outside of the fence um, will let us know uh, where he is and what he's doing. And if he's not there, then we can all start to worry. (laughs) Uh, Demon Lander also spied uh, Toby Bedford at the airport on crutches. Um, And, I mean, no one saw any incident during the game. 
Um, so I guess we can triple down on that MFCSS. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, kid plays a decent half of footy, kicks a beautiful goal from the boundary, and next thing you know, he's on crutches. So um, how's that for uh, for MFCSS? Um, yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, so uh, I don't know. Uh, look, I'm sure these guys have ha- already had their scans and the club would know what's going on and I, I hope it's not that mystery injury of the week that we find out on round one. That, um, But as you said... Is, is there a reason there training. isn't training this week or is it closed sessions, is it? Or? Uh, well, uh, according to the social media accounts of some of the players, uh, they've been out and about, I think, at festivals and stuff, and uh, so maybe they were given a few days off. Coronavirus gathering. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, yeah, so I don't know, maybe they were given a few days off and they'll start up again, so, you know, maybe later this week, um, because we're only, what are we, what are we 10 days out? Uh, no, we're on the 22nd, 12 days out from our, our next game, 11 days tomorrow, so, yeah. Um, mm. The other, the other injuries, um, I think the ones that um, are realistic were, uh, would be Smith and Hannon. Um, Smith must be very close um, to being at full training and Hannon, I suspect, would be in full training but probably needs uh, more time uh, given he, he hasn't done anything basically up until about two weeks ago. So our position isn't too bad, um, even, even with the suspected you know, match injuries that we picked up in in uh, Tassie um, at this time of year. So we could actually have, you know, um, apart from the Nitschkes and and the uh, College Asneys, we might well have the full a, a full list almost available um, to play if we if we needed to um, coming coming ten days away. The Smith one is is a is a funny funny one. Well, not quite funny. Um, he, you know, hurt uh, hurt his foot. Um, did he step on glass or something? Yeah, that's that's what we were told. Yeah. So, so he had that. There was quite a period of time where he was in the rehab group, but he seemed to be running fine and doing things, yeah. but only kicking on his wrong side of his body. And then I don't know if you noticed last week, whenever they did the, uh, they sort of had done an injury list or something to that effect, all of a sudden it's a quad injury. Mm. And I don't know where that mm. came from, whether it was related to something totally different. Because the initial thing played. was an infection, wasn't it? That yeah. whatever wound he had got infected. So um, the infection has spread <laughs> into his quad. <laughs> so. Concerning. Uh, that's why I mentioned. I mean, he's had so many injuries. Uh, this guy he just seems to get injury after injury, unlike, unlucky, um, which is unfortunate because you know we've seen that he is a good player and uh, he just can't get onto the park. So it's upsetting. Yeah. Um. Uh. Well, I guess uh, we'll move on. Uh. The Tehelenbach series is now over. Um. We mentioned that the other week. We we're very impressed. Uh, with what we saw, very professional um, uh, production. Uh, I thought uh, the last week's episode, which was uh, after the last time we, we've spoken, um, uh, that, that was the Maruchidor one. That was, um, you know, showing Max's uh, almost uh, season-ending injury. Um, what have you thought for the last two weeks? I, I, I didn't love – not that I didn't like the Maruchidor one, but I, I didn't think it was as powerful as the other ones. But I, I really enjoyed uh, this week's one. 
where they discussed uh, whether they had the captaincy vote. Um, but one thing I would have liked to have seen um, was, and I don't know if it was too raw, but I would have liked them to have interviewed Viney about it. Um, yeah. And maybe they did and maybe they couldn't use it or didn't use it or for whatever reason. But I would have liked to have seen that that emotion uh, from him. I know it would be really hard for him, but I think that would have you, been a good thing to see. A Vin, yes. <laughs> I was totally baffled by by that. I've never heard him referred to as Vin. <laughs> maybe that's something we don't see behind closed doors, but that, that pulled me out of the moment for a sec. And, maybe and the football. players really don't like Jack and he's being bullied and Vin <laughs> is their... Uh, is their playground nickname for him. Yeah, look, I'd, I'd um, think probably it's best to hold off on the Viney thing and the focus should be on Max. And yeah. Jack will tell his tale in good time and I suspect it'll be about round 16 this year. Uh, he'll be perhaps not leading but sitting on the leaderboards of the various media competitions and he'll sit down with the Sunday Herald Sun and talk about how um, disappointed he was at the time but how it's fueled him on and he's having his best season yet so um yeah jack will bounce back um uh from this from this disappointment and uh yeah if his if his pre-season form is any guide then he is on track to have his best season um if he can stay on the park george yeah look the whole series has been has been fantastic um i think the last one unfortunately hasn't been as good as as the previous ones and i when you saw Jack there, you really felt for him. Um, if that was the, if that was genuine, and the first time they found about it, found out about losing the captaincy for someone who's been so committed and so dedicated, um, you know, it was really sad to to see him uh, the way he reacted. Um, just as equally, I think it was it was telling when it looked like it was. Uh, when they announced uh, Harley Bennell as being signed in with the group, I think that was fantastic to see the players' reaction to that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, it's been a great insight into what goes on. Hopefully it gives a few supporters a, some appreciation of, of the behind-the-scenes stuff and the amount of work and the amount of exercise and, and the sheer pain that the players go through to get up um, you know, to round one to play uh, for the side, um, it's been a, it really has been a, a great series all round. So, high, highly commend the club for for what they've done, particularly after uh, the horrors of two thousand and eighteen. Yeah, I don't know if that Viney thing could have been the first time he found out about it. You wouldn't have thought they would have. Um, I don't know. Don't you think they would have uh, oh, pulled him aside? I think he would know before, but uh, his, the disappointment was real, regardless. Oh, yeah. um, even if he he did already know about it. Having it announced in front of all your peers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, look, it's uh, tough for Jack, but he'll he'll be fine. I love the, um, the 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 little bit at the beginning of the last episode where it was Nev and Cozzy, uh, Nev taking him under his wing and uh, you know coming into his bedroom and waking him up, sort of you know, and he's. How we mentioned that you know, Cosy wanted was going to get up five minutes before he had to go and all that, and you know, Nev being the the older head, uh, you know, trying to get him on the right path. I'd watch a reality TV series with the two of them living together. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be fantastic. Uh, but it's great having a guy like Nev there to sort of steer the younger guys, um, you know, on the right path. Um, yep. Uh, 
anything else from from the Hell and Back series you guys want to bring up? I, I think um, the, the only outstanding thing was uh, Simon Goodwin needs to um, uh, clean up his desktop, yes. according to some of our posters. <laughs> if it was me, I, my OCD doesn't like to see a disorganised desktop. You're only with a couple of them. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that that really uh, puts me off. Uh, particularly, on, I think it was on a Mac, and it's very easy to. Uh, there, there is a you can right click, and you can uh, snap to uh, this thing called Snap to Grid, which puts them all sort of just in line. Um, and then you know, I like to have maybe have it all sorted. You know, folders and then alphabetical order, and then files by type. And uh, yeah, it was just all over the place for me. And um, yeah, I, I couldn't live like that. <laughs> I've got to say, when I first saw those comments on Demon Land about the messy desktop, <laughs> I didn't understand it because I was looking at his desk. <laughs> yes. And other than the computer, I couldn't see anything on it. So I guess I'm showing my age. Um, although there's there's not all that much difference uh, between you and I, Andy. But no, there's um, not. Yeah, it took me a while to work out what. Uh, what you were referring to there. Well, there you go. Um, perhaps, uh, well, you're not even a boomer, so I can't even go, okay, boomer, uh, to no, you. No, no. Uh, there you go. Uh, so, <laughs> all right, we'll move on from that. Fantastic series to Helen Back. Um, it's interesting I, to see whether they've got additional footage and if the year did prove to be successful, as in the ultimate success, whether there's enough there for a doco where, and you'd have a full, a proper to Helen Back um, that perhaps takes in the whole year. Well, I would hope that because uh, it's. I think the filming definitely whether uh, uh, was an in-house production, um, and I'm not sure whether the post was in-house or out, but ever. But it, I would hope that they're filming throughout the year, and and you know maybe doing at least some interviews and stuff like that throughout the year so that if, you know, and maybe they should do that every year because you never know what's going to happen if you have a great year and win the premiership. But, uh, you know, I'll but pay I don't know what to, to watch a, a doco produced like that. But, mm. look, there's yep. obviously expenses involved with that. But uh, I'd hope that they're filming throughout the year. Interesting. Yep. Getting sort of some of that raw emotion stuff. Um, all right. Um Coronavirus, uh, is there – we won't get into the politics of anything like that, but uh, there's a possibility uh, if they ban, you know, and we don't know what's going to happen, and, uh, but if they if, – if things get worse, uh, there's that possibility. They've said that they'll play games without uh, crowds there. Um, and just uh, – I'll go back to my MFCSS. I can see us having a great year and – and me not being able to view any games live <laughs> and us winning the premiership. Look, let's not get ahead of ourselves, but uh, is not being able to go to the, the grand final and not being there and your team winning, is that going to feel the same as, as being there? As long as they don't call the game off at three-quarter time when we're <laughs> six or seven goals up, I can manage it. But, I, I, look, I, don't, I, I think it's... It's likely rather than uh, it's a probability rather than a possibility that at least one or two weeks of games are going to be played without crowds. I don't think it's going to be sustained, and I don't think it's going to happen later in the season. It's likely to be at the front end of the season. But uh, reading between the lines of the various health authorities and the AMA and uh, and uh, Daniel Andrews and uh, Gil McLaughlin's comments today. 
I'd say uh, schools and footy is going to be closed sooner rather than later. Um, for round one, I'm quite happy if they if they Absolutely. cancel round one. Round two, no, because I want to go to it. But uh, that that can only help us in round one against West Coast without a well, crowd the, there. The president of the uh, West Australian chapter of the Australian Medical Association was very um, uh, was quite sort of um, tough today in to- in in saying that you know schools are going to close and this is going to this is going to happen. He was saying so. Um, it could well be that our first-round match is played in front of an empty stadium over there. It's a difficult um, situation because um, we don't really know what's going on and there's been so many different responses. Um, you know, the, the obviously, the first opportunity would have been to shut down the Grand Prix um, as far as Melbourne's concerned, and they're not doing that. Um yep. Uh, the, the the next opportunity will be um, what happens with the Olympics and uh, it doesn't look like they're going to shut it down for that um, reason. But um, apart from wanting to go and watch the team play, uh, I think the big danger for uh, Melbourne alone as a football club this year is that we've got the home games on the Queen's birthday and uh, the Anzac Eve games. If we lose those two games, then, you know, as we saw last year financially, it's going to be a huge uh, hit to the club individually. All the other clubs will be affected just as well. But um, in particular, you know, for that, for us, if if they were to shut down those two two games alone, that puts us, you know, probably five million bucks behind where we were last year, and that was bad enough. So um, it'll be a difficult one. Um, I wouldn't, I would hope that it doesn't happen, but. Gee, they've they've stopped stopped watching soccer in mm-hmm. Italy, or they've they've shut out the crowds for that. So, if they can do do that to Syria against the mad Italians and their <laughs> love of, of uh, soccer, they may well find that they can do it in Australia as well. But they're, it's they're funny. Sorry, they're in a lot worse uh, position at the moment, yes. Italy. And look, that could happen uh, here. Um, but yeah, uh, go ahead, grab Barney. It's funny that you mentioned the soccer. In I was watching the English Premier League on the weekend, and they institute they've still got the crowds going, but they had a no handshake rule um, before the start of the game when the players line up on the pitch and um, everyone shakes each other's hands. And the commentator explained the edict not to shake hands, and then the cameras panned over to the bench, and as they always do, the two opposing managers um, embraced one another, <laughs> basically <laughs> hugging and whispering into each other's ears. So, um, yes, uh, the um, the application or the implementation of it uh, is um, is interesting to watch from uh, from afar, I guess. Uh, um, George, just going on what you said about the uh, Queen's birthday and Anzac Day, well, Anzac Day is a lot sooner, but if, if I, I would say if they're still playing, if, if the crowds are forced, to, to be, you know, to play, if we're forced to play in front of no crowds that deep into the year, uh, uh, then I think we've probably got bigger worries than uh, than a financial thing for for the clubs uh, if, if it's still going on in a couple of months' time where... Yeah, I, you know, I've, I've got go. no doubt it will be going on in a couple of... We're fortunate here in Australia, it's summertime at the moment. Um, uh, these viruses is, is spreading in the northern hemisphere in, the, in their winter. Um, so come our winter, I think we'll see a, a dramatic increase in 
um, the spread, and uh, then people have got to reevaluate uh, what they're actually going to do about it. So well, we can only hope for the best at the moment. But um, I want to be—I want to turn up every week and well, watch my team play. Well, that's the question. If they are allowing you to go, uh, yeah. will you be still going to the footy? Yes, um, I noticed that uh, um, Bitter but Optimistic posted on there that he brings more dangerous communi- communicable <laughs> diseases to the footy um, each week than uh, than coronavirus. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll keep having faith in my fellow Victorians until such time as the health authorities advise otherwise. Yeah, BBA's probably got immunity to all sorts of diseases, so he'll be right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, well, just a final thing or, or that I've sort of got. Uh, the captains all met today. They all had their photos uh, together. Uh, they also had a bit of a, a voting, uh, you know, not a voting, but they, they uh, were asked a few questions about who they thought would make the top eight this year, um, which other clubs will reach the grand final, who they think will win the Brownlow and the Coleman and, and such, and, and Maxi. Um, I don't know if it's a written rule or an unwritten rule that you know, you're not supposed to vote for your own team, uh, but when it got to um, the Coleman medal um, uh, choices, uh, Maxi went against that and uh, nominated Bailey Fritch as um, as the player he thought would win the uh, the Coleman medal. Was Maxi just um, you know was he just having you know being Maxi? Uh, lovable Arrican or 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 does or is Fritchie a genuine chance, uh, George? <laughs> um, I suppose he is in a way. If he play, if he plays twenty games, he, he could could uh, certainly finish up there. Um, he's probably going to play more games than Lance Franklin and and Ben Brown at the moment, given both of those are injured. So. Um, uh, you never, you never know if he's just just reliable and turns up every week, kicks two goals. Well, all of a sudden you start to get into the top echelons of, of the Coleman Medal. So he may well be right. Uh, Maxi said uh, on SEN today. I think he said uh, throughout uh, training this year. Uh, he's done some things that are pretty spectacular, who does it from very little impact in the actual game. He'll have five touches, five marks and five goals. He's kicked easily the most goals for us this uh, little preseason bit and he does it on Stephen May and then he does it on Nev Jetta. Uh, so he's a pretty exciting player. Mm. So you got to agree with all that. Yeah. He's, uh, he's got all the skills and the talent, um, Bailey Fritch, so... Um, I think it's quite reasonable, perhaps not to win the Coleman, but um, that, as uh, George says, he could finish right up there um, uh, without too much fuss. Maxie then doubled down and had Luke Jackson winning the NAB Rising Star. <laughs> so uh, there's Maxie for you. Uh, maybe he's trying to put a rocket up Weed and Tommy Mack. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I think, unfortunately, for Jackson, he's not going to get enough games to... To, pl- to win the Rising Star, I think Rail's already got his name written all over that. He'll be playing from that game one, and he probably will play 20 games for the Suns. So um, uh, I, th- I think that's the more likely one over at this stage. Um, boys, anything else you, you guys want to add uh, before we wrap things up uh, for this uh, this podcast? No, nope, bring it on, I say. 
Yeah, the only the only thing I, I noticed, Andy, is the membership numbers. Oh um, yeah, give us an update. I, I haven't been paying attention yeah, to that. Um, we're we're probably about three thousand as of today below where we were um, at the end of this week uh, last year, um, but we seem to have steady uh, leveled the sh- the, the ship. Um, we obviously haven't had the numbers come through post um, the game in Tasmania. Uh, so that's hopeful, but we're still ahead of where we were in 2018. So that in itself is is hopeful. If we knock off um, uh, the Eagles in in Perth in the first round, I think we'll be right back to where we were very very quickly. People will be back on board in a big way. So he's hoping for the best result in Western Australia. Yeah, because uh, if well. if we can do that and then uh, rock up at the G uh, with all those people coming uh, for the GWS game, hopefully they buy their memberships before the game and then I think we've got a home game the next week. So if we can start the year off strong, G- look, GWS aren't going to be easy. Um, but, uh, yeah, if we start the year off strong, maybe we can steady the ship because I thought we'd be in a lot worse position uh, than than what you were suggesting, so that that's good. I, you know, uh, obviously we're go, we're going to lose people uh, who were disappointed last year, um, and probably bought memberships, you know, in order to sort of secure finals tickets, um, you know, in 2019. And you know, when that didn't eventuate, they're going to jump off uh, ship. But if we can um, have some good results early, then maybe we will get them back. Mm. Yeah. All right, boys. So we've got. Um, we got uh, we got a week. Uh, we got uh, two weeks before the uh, start of uh, start of the season. Uh, I don't think we were. Obviously, we won't be back uh, next week for a show. But uh, come uh, post that West Coast game. Let's hope we're back here smiling again, and uh, we're not uh, ready to slash the wrist just yet. Um, so yeah, thank you, uh, George, and thank you, uh, Great Viney, for coming in and joining us a bit later on. Thank you. Pleasure to see you again soon. Go days. We'll see you in two weeks, guys.